it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Thank you for listening to the Often Daunted Podcast with me, Burke White. I am sitting here battling whatever illness my youngest uh, gave to me. And uh, I'm just here recording, coming to you every Monday uh, on wherever you get your podcasts. I wanted to start out this show by just saying uh, I'm going to look to create a more uniform structure for each of these episodes during the off season. I want to uh, make sure those of you returning to the show know what you're returning to from now on. <laughs> um, so... I'm going to start each of these uh, off-season episodes with the national news we have going around the country, so let's get into it. Yes, yes, we have plenty of time to talk about Kalel Ware, but let's get into uh, the national news first, just a little bit. Let's talk some Big Ten ball. It's just, it's just transfer portal madness nationwide. Um, who I am in particular keeping an eye on, that is Hunter Dickinson. I'm not going to be breaking anything crazy on this show. Just just uh, touching on a few of the things that came across my radar this week and uh, just wanted to share some thoughts on it. So yeah, Hunter Dickinson visited Georgetown Saturday, Maryland on Sunday, and uh, looks like he plans to visit Kansas next uh, this coming Thursday. Um, and all my thoughts on that are I, I need him to end up in Maryland. Hunter Dickinson, I, I love to hate that guy far too much for him to go to either of those other schools. And I, I, I it would be awesome to see those Maryland-Michigan games. <laughs> it, the game that he would have to return to Ann Arbor for? Jesus. I have to imagine that that's weighing in his decision. But then again, he tends to make decisions that... Uh, he he continues to make decisions that set himself up to be the villain. You'll love it. I love it. I personally love it. I need it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But as much as I love to love these Hoosiers... A few notches below that is my love for hating Hunter Dickinson in Michigan, and he took that from me this season. If I get that in Maryland, I'll, I'll take any any cent of it I can. So God bless you in making your decision, Hunter, but God bless it. Please make it the decision to be a Maryland Terrapin. One other thing, uh, just some Big Ten banter provided by Fran McCaffrey, no other, other than that image uh, provided by Brad Underwood, which was the... F- Four of the just re- most ridiculous coaches I've ever like. I, it was just a ridiculous picture. Somebody put the Cialis <laughs> advertising over it, and it just it killed it. Uh, but no, um, Fran had uh, was talking to reporters, just discussing the NIL, just discussing going out and get guys, and he was just talking about how he hates that these agents for these mid-major players who have the potential to move up a level to play some big-time ball are going out and chopping their players before the end of the season. And and there were plenty of people on the interwebs being like, hey, I, I hate Fran, but good on him for this comment. Good on him for this comment. To which I say, you guys, that's it's, absolute, it's absolutely ludicrous, the level of hypocrisy throughout that entire, just his entire statement on those mid-major agents going out there and chopping their guys. There was a time when a uh, younger Fran, certainly, uh, signed a new contract with Sienna, and uh, the year after that contract, he went 27-7, and seven, and his agent was absolutely shopping him. Fran, don't tell me he wasn't, because after one year of giving your word to Sienna, to saying, hey, I'm your basketball coach, I'm staying, after one year, you took the Iowa job. So don't, don't do your holier, don't, the holier-than-now stuff is just ridiculous. Dude, this whole thing, everyone's covered in mud. 
in this transfer portal. And if you're not going to get dirty, like you're not going to win. And we all know Iowa has to be trying to get dirty because guess what? Fran wants to win. He does. He's tired of hearing how he's such a freaking loser and can't just can't make that second weekend. So him saying that just hypocrisy reigns supreme. I can't say I'm any different. I mean, I I have probably been multiple multiple times critical or hypocritical. Yeah, hypocritical. Yeah, on this show. But it, yeah, whenever you think you're agreeing with Fran, Fran McCaffrey, really think about it, dig into it a little and just really think about who you're agreeing with. And you could say, yeah, it's different for coaches and players. One are professionals, the other are student athletes. But I would say that, no, that train has that train is long gone. These are professional athletes at this level up here with the big dogs. We are paying professional athletes now. That's how it is. It is the most it's the most celebrated historic, and longest semi-professional league in the country now. I say semi-professional for those guys making less than the TJDs of the world because the top dogs are absolutely professional athletes, no way around it. Do you do your job? Do you get paid to do that job? I mean, basketball is their profession. It'd be really awesome if one of them was discovering, like, uh, the cutting edge of, you know, (laughs) we're on the cutting edge of medical research, but... No, these guys are playing ball. We're, they're here to play ball. We brought them here to play ball. Everyone knows the deal. And Fran McCaffrey needs to just stop acting like it isn't what it is. And also, don't tell me when that mid-major agent calls you, you don't answer the phone. Oh, I sound whiny, don't I? Yeah, I'm done with that. <laughs> not, not, not really national news, but uh, just a little thing to note. I thought uh, I was listening to Tate Frazier on the One Shining Podcast. One Shining, yeah, One Shining Podcast. Now that uh, the partnership of Titus and Tate has broken up. Love both their shows now. I actually don't mind it because I get double their content. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, if it, if it, I hope it went amicably because I'd love to see them work together again soon. But uh, he was on his show pointing out just uh, how this Indiana-Purdue rivalry has catapulted this season back into the national standing. He was just talking about this in like a season recap where, I mean, you think of like uh, Kentucky and Louisville. As far as Midwest rivalries go, the Indiana-Purdue rivalry is so much more interesting right now. Of course, there's Duke, North Carolina, but hey, that one seems to be backsliding while we're trending up. Hopefully, we're two ships passing in the night. I, I just love hearing our, I love hearing the program discussed on the national stage, wherever it is. I don't know if I talked about this in the last show, but uh, Bill Self had his press conference where many thought he would be retiring following his uh, medical leave this season. And in that speech, he said quite the opposite. Uh, he's back at Kansas and he is not going anywhere. Honest to God, other than my boy Mike Woodson, because of my just irrational allegiance, I think Bill Self is the greatest coach in college basketball. I mean, right now, I mean, you can make arguments about others, but that, that he, he's he's yeah, he he's on he's at the top of the game. Whatever violations, whatever. <laughs> Kansas is Kansas, and they are a program to aspire to, for many. I yeah, however dangerous he may make the Kansas program. You didn't want to see a legend like that go go out that way. Maybe it is his last ride, whatever it is. Um, you just want to see him end the season on two feet and uh, ride off into the sunset. All right, now that we got the little national news out of the way, the little tidbits, uh, let's get on to some transfer talk and some news on the Indiana Hoosiers. Time for transfers. Of course, the name on everybody's lips this week, Khalil Ware, and it is pronounced Khalil for everyone out there. Of course, the Kalel, of course, the Kalel, 
name will be used in merchandising, uh, referencing Superman, I'm sure. As for any of you that don't know, that is Superman's name. Khalil Ware is a big-time shot blocker. I mean, it's instinctual in him. And uh, he can take the three. He's looking to convert at a higher rate than he did, absolutely. He ended the season with 27% from beyond the arc. Uh, rebounds the ball at an incredibly high rate, just didn't get much time to. Uh, wasn't given time to flourish in Oregon, and uh, their loss is our absolute gain. Whatever you say, uh, there, there's been reports of him just uh, dogging it sometimes, and um, yeah, it's just it's tough to tell until he gets here, until we see what he can do. But sometimes the the fit just isn't right, and uh, this seems to be a case for Oregon and head coach Dana Altman. Absolutely, I was listening to uh, Jared Morris on Assembly Call, and he had Spencer McLaughlin on of uh, Locked On Ducks, and they were just talking about where's freshman season. And the overall vibe I got from Spencer was uh, it just seemed to be a lot of freshman ball at times. He wasn't really uh, answering the pushbacks that he was being given. It ultimately left the Oregon fans disappointed and left Dana Altman absolutely disappointed. They, they, he even said that his growing pains might even be more so because of where he played his high school ball in Arkansas at seven foot. I mean, Arkansas, hey, they may ball, but they ain't balling like everyone out here. He, he kept pointing to the uh, intensity and focus never seemed to line up and calibrate in just a way that his game was working uh, effortlessly. And and that, that honestly, it does scare me. It does scare me because there were so many times this season where it seemed like our effort and our intensity was our ultimate downfall. And I'll get into later why I think Mike Woodson is just the man to uh, fix this. I think he can get Khalil Ware back on track, get him... Uh, producing at the rate that he believes he can that uh we all need to believe he can now but but that does genuinely scare me you'd love to think that we're bringing in just dogs dog after dog but this guy is an uber athletic freak of a human being (laughs) so so you gotta you gotta take you gotta take that when it's offered well when it's given an absolute bag uh spencer mclaughlin uh pointed out uh, just over the course of the year how his defense did come together and it spoke volumes in his shot blocking i think he was second to trace jackson davis in the most effective shot blocking in the nation uh just like in the minutes on the floor and with trace jackson davis gone shot blocking is we have a lot of shot blocking to make up for you you look at the kid and you see a body that can run you see a seven foot body that can run and in today's game say no more say no more if he's getting up and down the court and he's seven foot He's a nuke target. We can run in transition, and I think that's what the Hoosiers want to do. I like that this team is building to uh, run. That's uh, how Michigan's built, Michigan State. That's uh, how these tournament teams are making runs. Um, it does come from a lot of the backcourt, but we got that with Xavier. We got that with Xavier, and uh, of course I would like some more help, but here's hoping our guys are out there hunting right now. All in all, you guys, listen to the other podcasts. They dive into Khalil's game so well. I, I just cannot tell you how, how grateful I am that our program is in a position to go after these guys, that we are going after the top talent available. So many programs would kill to have that bankroll, to have that support, and we have it in spades. Speaking of, like, donate where you can. doesn't have to beat a certain one, but just find one. <laughs> go get a Hoosier paid. The whole, the whole Khalil Ware thing, it really, it really makes you just look at Dana Altman. Like, man, what are you doing? Did he not want to keep this guy? Did he not think that... This guy was worth having around? Going through some of his comments, I was just absolutely floored. After a uh, January loss to Stanford, Altman said, we've had a lot of conversations. They haven't gone as well and haven't been as constructive as we want them to be. I was disappointed in his effort. I'll let him know that. He's going to have to make some adjustments or I've got to make some decisions. His time has been reduced. That doesn't help us because he is talented. 
hey, that is a sit your ass on the bench mentality. But uh, yeah, yeah, just just a. It seems like uh, these freshmen each year, you got to be a little more delicate with them, especially a freshman that came in as the number eight recruit. Like uh, you, you got to be tough. But it's a tough balance, and I think Mike Woodson is finding a uh, a way to navigate. But I don't know if Dana did here. Seems to be like the ultimate form of nagging. He was trying to put on uh, Khalil Ware here after a New Year's Eve victory over Oregon State. He said, at least Khalil, at least Khalil acted like he wanted to be here tonight. That's after a victory over your in-state rival. Dude, just enjoy it. Those games are always a battle no matter what. You got the win. Why would you do that? He also said he hasn't blocked any shots lately. He hasn't gotten any hands on balls. He's not using that length. We've still got to try to put the best team out there that gives us the best chance. Uh, yeah, and apparently he didn't think that getting him minutes and getting him on the floor, letting him play into uh, just the player he could be, it's all about development for these young guys. You saw what Mike Woodson was able to do with Malik. Malik came out softer uh, once the season really got going, and Mike Woodson was able to challenge him appropriately able to navigate the uh, tough love. And Malik was playing incredibly respectable by the end of the season. He was holding it down. And he has set up to where this front Indiana front court with Ware and Malik, that is that is, that might be the most deadly front court of that sophomore class. And I'm so appreciative that we have it. These guys are absolute super freaks with instinctual, unteachable talent. These guys are top recruits. That is all talent. Heart, heart, heart wins you games, heart does you that. But to get on that top list of recruits, you have to be just a, a fountain of talent. And whether it's Malik's footwork or where size, speed, and ability to shoot. Now, he did shoot it at 27%, like I said before, but he has the ability. The shot isn't, it isn't clunky. <laughs> there, like in the, uh, if this was the original Space Jam universe, those would have been nice strikeouts. We would have never seen somebody strike out like that. Those were nice misses this guy's form is great and uh if you don't believe me just go go look at it yourself i'm so confident in what he brings to this program what mike woodson will be able to get out of him i have the utmost faith and i'm so appreciative that khalil ware is an indiana hoosier khalil i don't have half the bag that you received i can't give you anything but if you'd love to come on the show please feel free to reach out to often daunted at gmail.com thank you very much I know he's not coming on here, guys. Don't worry. If it's a factor of mental toughness with unlocking Khalil Ware's game, and you guys don't think that tr- that Mike Woodson has the ability to uh, find the key to unlock that, just look at the monster Trace Jackson Davis became. Look at how incredible his transformation was over the course of one year. Give Mike Woodson Ware. He'll get him to the NBA. That's good for the program. And this Indiana Hoosier team is setting up to be a contender next year. You're not going to tell me otherwise. And if you try, I'm just going to tune out. Dalton Connect, yeah, in other transfer news, Dalton Connect and Chris Ledlam are visiting Tennessee together this uh, past weekend. And it's just something to keep an eye on. Seems more seems to be more traction on the Ledlam front at the time, as uh, Indiana doesn't seem out, but he is taking his visit to Tennessee and then St. John's. Here's hoping that the, uh, the ability to drive is unlocked with him coming here. At this point... I mean, I'm not going to invest too much into either of these guys until they sign on the dotted line. Until I see them in the candy stripes, man, I've been hurt before. I'm just going to uh, not fall for anyone just yet. Once they put those candy stripes on, I'll be in love. Don't worry. The Hoosiers have reportedly reached out to Naheem Aline. Aline? Yeah. Naheem Aline. 
the uh, UConn guard is entering the transfer portal just this last Thursday. Came off the bench and played minutes for the national champs. In his final year, he's looking for more minutes. And uh, with UConn coming back as loaded as they stand to, and with all the new talent coming into UConn, Indiana might be a uh, nice landing spot for him. I, 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 I'm holding out. I just, I just love hearing these new names. Welcome to the squad. I love a party. Please come to Indiana. So, like I said before, that's all I got on the uh, transfer portal talk, the uh, Indiana Hoosier front at the time. This offseason, ep- these offseason episodes might be a little uh, lighter on the uh, news front, on the uh, exciting stuff, but uh, when something does come, we'll discuss it a little. If you do hear of something and want me to bring it up on the show, reach out to me at oftendaunted at gmail.com or on Twitter at oftendaunted. Everything often daunted. But yeah, so we'll have a word from our sponsor, and then I'll be getting into the topic of the episode, as I will each of these off-season episodes. Following that, we will have our Hoosier history hit, and then we'll get you out of here. So uh, please stick around after this word from our sponsor. Thank you. The Often Daunted Podcast is brought to you by those uh, rollable grass things. So I went to Menards, and I bought like a bunch of these rollable grass uh, sheets. You just roll them over the dirt that you need grass and uh, water them religiously. It seems to be growing superbly, and I appreciate the hell out of them. They aren't really sponsor of the show. I just want to give them a shout-out. Great product. Thanks. I didn't even name the company because I don't know it, so grass sheets. Now, for the topic of the episode, I was thinking, what, what could I discuss today on this off-season episode of the Often Daunted podcast? And I thought, you know what? We just got Khalil Ware. After all the talk, it came to fruition, and uh, a lot of that was Roseman's job. Yes, he, he he recruited the hell out of him, but he's here because of Mike Woodson, and Mike Woodson is running this program that is attracting these guys now. So I just wanted to make this episode a, uh, I just wanted to make this episode a Mike Woodson appreciation episode. I just wanted to give a little history on Mike Woodson, just a yeah, you know the basic biography for any of those any of you out there who. Uh, don't really know the impact he had on Indiana and its time here, and uh, just a little bit about the uh, time he spent in the NBA. So, Mike Woodson came into this world as the second of 12 children. One can understand how many times were tough for the Woodson family financially. Even tougher on the family were the health struggles of both Chester and Odessa Woodson. Chester, a hardworking man with many different jobs, would work himself to death, in Mike Woodson's words, as he suffered a heart attack. Upon his death, the family had split into two homes in order to alleviate the financial burden on Odessa, and Woodson lived with his sister for some time prior to moving back in with his mom and finding ways to contribute financially to the welfare of him and his skin. Struggles in life make for a more hardened and battle-ready individual, and it is the discipline and responsibility he had to learn here that can be somewhat evidence to why he has accomplished so much in this game. Speaking of how Mike found the game and fell in love with it, it seems Mike Woodson points to an inability to avoid it within his community and within Indiana itself. Mike told Steve Sersby of the New York Times, every yard had courts, little basketball hoops in the yard. If you didn't have it, you had neighbors two doors down that had it. You had parks in every area of town where you could go get a pickup game, had rec centers where you could go and play. It was a place you could learn your craft and learn his craft. He absolutely did. Mike Woodson lit the floor on fire in his time at Broad Ripple High School. In his senior season of 1976, shout out, the perfect season. Mike ended the season with 28.6 points per game. He made the All-State team and in turn the Indiana All-Star team. 
He was invited to the Indiana-Kentucky High School All-Star Game, where he led the Indiana All-Stars to victory with 26 points over Kentucky. Of course, Indiana over Kentucky. I love it. Even when it's high school All-Stars, I love it. A recruit like Mike had many options, and Mike really never exercised many. There was one point where he canceled a trip to Purdue after having a discussion with Bob Knight. I have to imagine uh, Bob was very convincing. Mike Woodson credits Indiana's style of play for why he fell in love with the program. Going back to the 7th or 8th grade, after all the guys graduated from the 1976 perfect season, Mike Woodson had every opportunity to come into Indiana and immediately contend for HHIC. Head Hoosier in charge. Mike Woodson arrived on campus with program expectations at quite possibly not only a program high, but a historical high. While Mike Woodson was balling for the Rockets at Broad Ripple, the Indiana Hoosiers were on their way to the perfect season. His freshman season, he quickly cemented a role in the program, becoming the Hoosiers' leading scorer with 18.5 points per game. Quite a haul of production for a freshman. This 18.5 points per game is impressive, but that would be the lowest total after a Mike Woodson season. It would also be his least memorable postseason, as the Hoosiers didn't take part in the tournament following their 16-11 season, 11-7 in the Big Ten, finishing sixth place overall. Following that fruitless season, in his sophomore campaign, Mike Woodson led the Hoosiers with 19.9 points per game and became the second Hoosier to get to 1,000 points in his first two seasons. The Hoosiers greatly improved on the year prior, making it to the Sweet 16, then losing to a number two seed Villanova. The Hoosiers needed... <laughs> the Hoosiers ended this season 21-8, 12-6 in the Big Ten to play second in the Big Ten overall. The 1978-1979 season was largely a one-off letdown for a lot of Hoosier Nation. I imagine while a trophy was won, it wasn't the trophy that junior Mike Woodson and coach Robert Montgomery Knight had won it. This would be Mike Woodson's first year as captain of the Indiana Hoosiers. The Hoosiers would go on to a relatively middling season, 22-12, and 10-8 and in the Big Ten, ending fourth despite averaging 21 points and 5.7 rebounds and shooting 50% from the field. Bobby Knight would often see that uh, Mike Woodson wasn't getting the respect he was due and became vocal after uh, one of Mike's most impressive performances in which uh, one of his most impressive his most impressive performance and the highlight of this season when Mike Woodson led the Hoosiers with 48 points over number one Illinois. Mike Woodson would end this junior season as a fourth team All-American and whilst being left out of the NCAA tournament the Hoosiers would go on to beat little bro in the NIT tournament. The NIT championship. Yeah, we beat Purdue in the NIT championship. Yeah, it wasn't the real title, but hey, I love beating Purdue on the national stage. After that painful season in the eyes of Coach Knight and the Hoosiers at large, Mike Woodson would go on to do the absolutely incredible in his final season. I think Matt Painter put it best when on the journey he said, I'm 19 years old, and I just remember when he got hurt and was able to come back and play that last seven or eight games, and Indiana won the Big Ten. He was MVP of the league, you know, he played a third of the games that year. I had never told him before, but we used to be Mike Woodson in the backyard. You know what I mean? Shooting that pull-up jumper. Entering this season, when Isaiah Thomas when Isaiah Thomas got onto campus, the Hoosiers entered the season as preseason number one. Following this ranking, uh, over the course of the season, the season would go largely into disarray as Randy Whitman went on to break his foot. And Mike Woodson would be out seven weeks with a herniated disc surgery. After falling to 7-5 and five in the conference, Mike Woodson would make his immaculate return. Speaking of which, Isaiah Thomas said, And what did that return look like? Well, Isaiah Thomas best described the moment of Mike's return when he was asked if winning the 1984 NBA All-Star MVP, back when that shit used to mean something, if that was the thrill, if that was the biggest thrill of his basketball career. 
To which Isaiah responded, no. My biggest thrill was my freshman year at Indiana when Mike Woodson came back from back surgery and hit his first three jump shots at Iowa. After that return, the Hoosiers went undefeated to end the regular season, finishing 13-5 and in conference. Upon sitting out 16 games, Mike Woodson was still able to capture the Big Ten MVP award, playing in only six games to end the regular season. After an incredible finish to the regular season, the Hoosiers would be bounced in the Sweet 16, but the pieces were in place, and the Hoosiers won the title the following season, largely on the back of Isaiah Thomas, who seems to give a lot of credit to Mike Woodson. It was in that 1980 draft that Mike Woodson was selected 12th overall by the New York Knicks. Following that, Mike Woodson bounced around through a couple different teams. He was on the New York Knicks from 1980 to 1981, the New Jersey Nets 1982. He was on the Sacramento Kings from 1982 to 1986, I guess also the Kansas City Kings if you want to be real about it. The uh, LA Clippers from 1986 to 1988, the Houston Rockets from 1988 to 1990, and the Cleveland Cavs from ni- the Cleveland Cavs in 1991. Mike ended his career with 10,981 points. That is 14 points per game. Absolutely respectable for any NBA player. And that's that's our head coach, man. That's awesome. It was uh, following this career playing basketball he decided to take up coaching. He started in Milwaukee as an assistant from 1996 to 1999. He then moved to the Cleveland Cavs from 1991 to 2001. 1999 to 2001, sorry. Then the 76ers from 2001 to 2003. It was at his next destination, the Detroit Pistons, that he won the NBA title as an assistant when they took down my Pacers and the Lakers. The Atlanta Hawks, he, the Atlanta Hawks gave him his first head coach opportunity, and that was from the years of 2004 to 2010. It was here that his NBA NBA coaching highlight would uh, take place where he would lead the Hawks to the playoffs after an eight-year drought, and his 206 wins are still the fourth most in Atlanta, Atlanta Hawk history. Following his time with the Hawks, he uh, got another assistant job, 2011 to 2012 with the New York Knicks. He was then given the head coaching job from 2012 to 2014 after D'Antoni was fired. And then following that firing, he was sent, he took up a position with the LA Clippers as an assistant. Following his time in LA, Mike took it a little easier until he got the call and would be announced as our Supreme Leader March 28, 2021. And what can you say about what the guy has done in his short time here? He has his program trending in all the right directions. He has the sickest goatee we've ever seen. And he is out there doing the work. And if not, he's getting the right guys to do the work that is landing top talent out there in the market that is just the most ludicrous thing we've ever seen in college sports. He's an NBA Hoosier through and through. And I love what he has taken from that level and brought back. Because he's had to deal with divas. The NBA's riddled with them. They were riddled with them in the 2010s. They're riddled with them now. They're going to be riddled with them in the future. And he's found a way to successfully coach these guys up. And that's something you need now. I would say you need it, but but it is nice that he has found this little hybrid way of bringing the Bobby into the new era, where uh, Mike Woodson has displayed a willingness to bring out the bench meets ass meth- method. We are seeing that. He's getting guys to commit and proving he can get talent to the next level. But some guys may have their asses on the bench in the program again. Ass meets bench, bench retains ass. Ass transmits signal to brain. Brain transmits signal into body. Body gets ass off bench and plays better. We may have seen that this tactic was utilized in the case of Jordan Geronimo to negative effects as he wasn't able to respond to it. But, hey, we need people who can respond to it now. I wish Jordan all the best. It wasn't a good fit here. But, I, I mean, I have to hope that we go get a guy that that works for. 
I hope that Khalil Ware, I hope that this works for him. Um, Dana Altman might have been a little too heavy-handed with his handling of it, but but some tough love is needed. It is needed. And uh, Mike Woodson's going to tell it to you straight, son. He's going to tell it to you straight, son. Same way it was told to him. Maybe slightly less physical than it was told to him. But long story short, Mike is going to give you tough love. And you're going to need to recognize that that tough love, it's still love. It isn't tough hate. It's tough love. In the age of the basketball mercenary, you need to operate a little more delicately. But I, I do think tough love is the way to uh, get this program back up. Like, it, it, it plays. It works. And I really appreciate that Mike Woodson seems to have a grasp on uh, how to utilize it. Because Mike Woodson is capable of making men into mental titans. It wasn't just Trace. Because, I mean, Trace absolutely became a mental titan. It's the way Trey took ownership of the team. It's Jalen stepping up to the task of primary ball handler at the Big Ten level. I mean, he's going to have to at the NBA level. But his willingness to uh, attack the opportunity, credit to Mike Woodson in what little part he may have had in it. Yeah, I, I appreciate everything that Mike is bringing to the program because it is fueled by a genuine love of the program. When, when discussing, I mean, that love, he just, when talking about what he wanted to do at Indiana, he, he, he answered the journey. Big Ten, I agree. it's pretty much the same episode every show, but I'll watch them every time. In the journey, Mike Woodson said, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to put my best foot forward to see that this program gets back on top, man. Because I think that's where it needs to be. That's a guy after my heart. Dude, whatever, you, that is my uh, gifts, uh, quality time. No. Mike Woodson, that is my love language. Whatever you just said, that's my love language, dude. <laughs> like, he just wants to see us get back to where we were. And it's never going to be back to the way it absolutely was because it's a totally different game. It's a totally different bureaucratic system behind it all. But God, he's going to try getting us close. And and it is it is nice. It is refreshing to see a guy at the helm that wants it as bad as you do. Indiana fans are absolutely insane. We're all crazy. And I love that our coach is an Indiana fan. He's one of us. When Indiana losing doesn't make sense to your own coach, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, so really just wanted to give a little segment on Mike Woodson because this Indiana program is something to be excited about. It wasn't exciting with Archie. It wasn't. We had Trace, so the potential for excitement was there, but it never was exciting. <laughs> I'm even more excited about the questions in the air than I was at that era. I'm optimistic. I'm always hopelessly optimistic, but man, I'm feeling good this offseason. Because whatever this basketball game has become, whatever this whole system has become, I really think we can thrive in it. And I really hope Indiana takes advantage of that. Yeah, what am I talking about? Of course they are. We got Khalil Ware. Mike Woodson is bringing the old school into the new era, and I can't thank him enough for it. What else can we thank him for? That beautiful goatee. Like, the dude still wears a suit. Dripping in swagoo. All these coaches want to move to this quarter zip nonsense. And, and it doesn't play for me. You're a leader of men. You're a professional. <laughs> Mike Woodson has is all class. That dude is all Big Ten, all class. Also, he shoots the basketball. <laughs> shoots it well. Got a nice jump shot. I mean, hey, you guys, the results, however disappointed you were in not making the second weekend, we are progressing, and Mike Woodson deserves all the credit in the world for that. He's getting this program back on track, getting us back into the top tier of talent. He is getting us all the guys we need to make these runs in March. And, uh, God, I love him. I love that man so much. I just want to be called son by him. That's my dream. I'll, I'll end the show once I get that. He is all of our dads. With that little Mike Woodson appreciation out of the way, 
It's time for your Hoosier History Hit. This is your Hoosier History Hit. For your Hoosier History Hit, I wanted to discuss Indiana University and fluoride toothpaste. In 1945, Grand Rapids, Michigan added fluoride to their water. Within the decade, cavity rates dropped 60%. This is one of the first uses of fluoride used used for clinical treatment. With the Industrial Revolution and the growth in refined sugar and flour, cavities grew to the point where the single greatest cause for World War II draft ineligibility was the inability to pass the Army's requirements, of which was three pairs of incisor teeth and three pairs of masticating teeth. A minimum of 12 teeth remaining in your head was needed to get into the army. And uh, needless to say, when shit really hit the fan, that that was lifted. We'll take you. We'll take you two tooth, Joe. <laughs> we'll take you three teeth, Tony. But I mean, it, hey, dental health was an issue far more than it is now. Got all 32 of my pearlies. But throughout human history, history humans have used paste for dental cleaning. They were usually just abrasive with like, <laughs> like sand and shells and junk in it just to clean your teeth like sandpaper which is kind of crazy which toothpaste today does but really smaller grains and like finer but uh while doctor (laughs) so humans were using this the whole time and the benefits of fluoride were coming to be known and many research institutions saw an opportunity to make a killing formulating a fluoride toothpaste that uh, would break down and combine correctly. While Dr. Harry Day and Dr. William Nebergall were researching possible formulas in Bloomington, it was a groundbreaking discovery by Dr. Joseph Mueller out of the IU School of Dentistry that discovered a calcium phosphate that could bond with fluoride and would result in the paste that we are all familiar with today. I'm sure there is more science behind all that stuff, but uh, this is a basketball podcast, so that's all you get. The toothpaste was ready in 1952 and tested on over 2,000 Bloomington local children and adults. Following the trials, the university was granted a patent, which would then be sold on license to Procter & Gamble. The resulting product, Crest Toothpaste, would reach 90% market share by the end of the 1960s. IU would receive loyalties until 1975 when the patent expired. Part of those funds were used to build two different oral health institutions. Just part, of course, because I imagine that made a metric shitload of cash. I imagine 90% of all toothpaste sales, let me do that math, boom, 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 boop, 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 yep, metric shitload of cash. And uh, lastly, despite uh, what many may believe, Ballantine Hall is not built by this money. Uh, there is a belief that it is just based on its shape. It is kind of shaped like a toothbrush if viewed from the air. And no, that's just a load of malarkey we made uh, the IU School of Dentistry, I think, and uh, another health in- oral health institution in Indianapolis, I think. Whatever. My sources on that were myiu.org. That's your Hoosier history hit. As always, I cannot thank you enough for listening, Hoosier fans. Uh, It's so much fun recording this. This is my favorite pastime. I love this hobby. It's been fun interacting with everyone online. If you do like the show, please subscribe. Tell your friends about it. I I, I feel like I'm gaining a little confidence in the product that I do have here. And not that I'm selling it because I'm making a net zero on this. Uh, I just appreciate the listen very much so. And I hope you all have a great week. If you do like the show, please come back next week, and I'll be here recording. This is Burke signing off. Love that Veritas. Have a great week, y'all.